the right idea at the right time. The miracles of logistics every day. I just challenged all of their rules. Technology is revolutionizing this industry. Changed our lives. Close your eyes for a second. New York, Hong Kong, Paris. We're more connected. You just never know where the next innovation will come from. Rules are beginning to change. This is Longitudes Radio, a podcast with today's leading experts about the future of technology, global trade, sustainability, and logistics. I'm Brian Hughes. And I'm James Rowe. Brian, it's that festive time of year again. Eggnog, gingerbread cookies, garland. Political arguments with your family around the dinner table. I wasn't quite thinking that, but apropos. Okay. I was thinking online shopping. Yeah, it's the season for that, too. Yeah, and since it's such a timely topic, today we're talking with three industry experts about the tech and tools that are helping them compete in a rapidly changing retail environment. Yeah, so guys, we're going to hear from Samantha Simmons. You might know her from BBC fame, where she's been a newscaster for decades. She's had conversations with thought leaders around the world. Today, she's going to chat with Holly Tucker, co-founder of NotOnTheHighStreet.com, an award-winning online marketplace for hundreds of thousands of products. Yeah, and Roger Flynn as well. He's a business development guru who's been chief executive at BBC Ventures as well as commercial director for Virgin. And James, I bet there's a big brown perspective. Yes, there is. We have Richard Curry on as well. He's UPS's director of public affairs. As Holly says, the central challenge for businesses of any size today is to both think and act like a chameleon. Yeah, it's a pretty cool metaphor if you think about it, Brian, because it illustrates the point that businesses need this type of technology to give them the mobility, the ability to change, and really adapt to customer needs. And speaking of chameleon, James, don't worry, I'm not going to break out in Boy George. <laughs> Let's get to it. Holly, Roger, and Richard, hello, welcome, and thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules to join me in discussing transforming today's trends into tomorrow's capital. I'm sure we'll all agree that businesses can take advantage of breakthrough technologies to better anticipate and react to the ever-changing marketplace. But there are several other topics brought to light when considering how best to harness the potential of technologies, such as preparing a workforce with the right skills and cultural change required to thrive in the evolving workplace, and why putting the customer first can be mission critical in a world where digitization and the sharing economy are disrupting entire industries, even how making the most of the supply chain can increase competitive advantage when embracing e-commerce or facing the implications of Brexit on cross-border trading. Richard, what do you think the major technology-led factors affecting businesses are right now? I, I think it's constant change. I think businesses have to embrace the fact that from a technology perspective, we're in constant change mode and that how we do business today is not going to be how we do business from a technology point of view in a year, two years, five years' time. And Roger? Two things for me. One is um, mobilisation or mobiles for everybody. So by 2020, there'll be 6 billion smartphones on the planet. It's a key access to market for a lot of people and applications abound on those devices. And then the other thing is data. So data from human interactions with each other and, and organizations, but also machine-to-machine interaction. So the, what is known as the Internet of Things. And Vodafone today have about a billion pounds a year in revenue from, from the Internet of Things already. That's going to uh, accelerate a rate of knots. 
And let's talk about what businesses can do to ensure they're taking full advantage of the growth of e-commerce and the opportunities that it presents. Holly, what do you think? The online opportunities are clearly enormous. The temptation, though, I feel, and what I've seen in the past, is to pour more and more money just into tech. And actually, that that can be highly distracting for an organisation. Keeping up with what's called the tech arms race being the ultimate goal. But to what end? If the only way that you can beat your competitor is the latest tech, then ultimately it's a race to who has the most money. And what if they can match you pound to pound or... If you're up against the likes of Google or Amazon, you know, the the fact is, I absolutely believe that you have to be match fit. You have to be extraordinary. You have to deploy quickly. You have to do all of these things. But there's a central point here, which is that do not let that distract other areas of your business. How are you driving brand? How are you driving loyalty scores? How are you amplifying your message? How are you building culture within your organization? If you connect with your audience, and I talk about something called emotional commerce, if you truly connect with your customer, this can change the KPIs as much as transformation in the digital world as well. So the rate of digitization and the developing sharing economy mean that we increasingly rent or share our commodities such as cars, houses, workspaces, skills and services, all based on peer reviews, which means the customer is now more important and powerful than ever before. Why and what should a business do to make sure they always put the customer first? Roger. The customers are talking about you whether you're in the conversation or not. And therefore, I think every business needs to pay a lot of attention to those conversations and be in the conversation in the right way. Holly, businesses have to actually ask, do they truly put the customer first? You know, so many people say, yes, it's a tick box. It's, you know, a mission statement. Um, It's up on the wall and vinyl and all these sorts of things. But does it really stand up in every department as the epicenter of your organization? And I probably say, no, it doesn't. You want it to, but actually it's not at the heart, the heart of the company. In this new digital age, I think, you know, we have to practice what we preach. And so, When there's so many channels, so many um, platforms that you can interact with your customer, it is actually the opportune time to reorganize your business and put that customer at the forefront. So many powerful tools in order to do that. I recently interviewed a lady called Ella, who's created a business called Deliciously Ella. She has a reach of 24 million. Now, she asked her community, what should she call her cookbooks? What should she sell? Where should she sell? Which which supermarket should she sell at? Where would they buy her products? She does what her customers want her to do. She interacts with them every day. She actually says she responds to every single comment herself so that she is absolutely the customer when it comes to the day-to-day. So I feel that that's a prime example of someone who's truly putting the customer at the forefront of their business. Holly and Roger, you both no doubt have fascinating stories of managing teams as large as you do, bearing in mind the different skill sets that your respective workforces require, such as hard technology versus softer customer-facing skills. How do you both think that digital transformation is affecting business models in relation to employee ways of working? Roger. First thing for me is really access to talent. It's getting harder and harder to find locally where your office is. Uh, the talent that you need and certain skills are in such high demand there just isn't enough people 
So the ability to work from anywhere in the world will open up global talent pools, and we have people all over the world working on, on some of our projects. It provides enormous flexibility for the employees, and they're, they're increasingly seeking that. And there's a business that, that I'm involved in that um, part of their offering is cloud-hosted telephony, which gives you enormous flexibility in your telephony infrastructure. And we have a phrase there, which is, work is a thing you do, not a place you go. Holly, what about in your experience? Well, when we talk about how we're affecting business models, and, and it's, it's incredible when you think, actually, that Not on the High Street was born in a time where the business model of a marketplace didn't exist. And this was only 12 years ago. eBay and Amazon were the only other marketplaces. And Amazon actually sold books. Can you remember that time where Amazon just sold books? Etsy didn't arrive, uh, not in the high street counterpart in the US until a few months later. So absolutely, you know, technology made NOS successful and ultimately created a way of working for a hidden army of small businesses. We gave them the technology and the platform right on their kitchen tables. It allowed us to process now over 40 million orders for these small businesses, drive 50,000 customers per week at busy times to this hidden group of small businesses. But what's interesting me now is how technology is still changing this workforce outside of what we've created. I mean, when you think back to when we started in 2005, we had to go through VC funding or an HSBC loan. Now small businesses can access capital through crowdfunding within months. They can build their websites within days. They can access a content management system within a day. They can sell their products, market themselves, be on social media, have thousands and followers within a month. So this is an absolutely incredible thing. It's changing the small businesses. It's making them powerful. You know, already they're chameleons and they're able to adapt quickly. And I think it's one of the things that big businesses will need to watch out for. Roger, we're in the midst of this widespread digital disruption. How is your business's go-to market strategy ensuring success in the face of this? Well, there's dramatic changes in the B2C world. A lot of people going from desktop to tablet to mobile, and mobile's now in the holiday business, for example, driving 60% of our traffic. So it's enormous shifts in that direction. And our lead generation is through digital channels versus traditional offline channels. And I'm about to invest in a business that has started a couple of years ago. It launched only on mobile and on social media to find leads. So it started from that point of view, not trying to bring those into its organization later on. The B2B worlds, I think, slower to change and adapt, and traditional routes to market tend to be holding up at the moment. But there are increasing B2B to C opportunities, so going direct versus indirect, those opportunities are beginning to to appear in, in the B2B world. So, Richard, I think it's fair to say that businesses are feeling under an awful lot of pressure at the moment, trying to keep up with the rate of changing technology and dealing with the potential implications of Brexit on their ability to trade. With customs and trade being major topics in the current stage of negotiations between the UK and the EU, do you think there are any benefits or opportunities to be gained by UK businesses, despite all that we're hearing in the media? I think there are, but it's going to depend upon trade facilitation and ensuring that whatever the new model of the trade agreement between the UK and EU is, that we have sufficient time to introduce it. And that will necessitate changes to customs processes and technology. And it's imperative that, on the whole, we have enough time to to make those changes. And those changes tend to take about 18 to 24 months, depending on the complexity. With everything that UK businesses are currently having to deal with to ensure future success, it's fair to say they each need everyone in their business to adapt. 
So for my closing question, I'd like to ask each of you, what three things do you believe are crucial to instilling a new culture in a business that will help it break old habits and take full advantage of emerging opportunities? Holly? The first thing I would say would be um, to look at how you empower uh, a changing workforce within your organisation. By 2020, 40% of workforce generally will be freelance. So not only should we be allowing our employees to feel empowered, we should be looking to our businesses to create culture that actually embraces the point that our businesses will never be the same again. It's the largest shift and change since the Industrial Revolution. And I, I don't believe we have enough businesses harnessing really what that means to empower your workforce through technology or how things are shifting. The second would be, and I would say this, entrepreneurial spirit, new ideas, new ways, never a no, never a can't. Stakes are a blessing. I even started giving awards to those who would admit that they would actually fire themselves that week for a decision that they've made. Um, because actually that person showed that they would take a risk. And as long as you learn from that risk, it should be celebrated. That is how you move forward quickly. And the third would be with the rise of the millennials becoming one of the most important groups that we're going to now have to cater for. But just generally the way that technology is now making us faster as humans and we're all crying out for more purpose in our lives and experience is actually our organisations to have purpose. Not something that the HR team thinks up and it's a mantra and we tick it off, but actually the realisation that we have 29,000 days on this planet. Um, I myself have only 14,000 days uh, probably left and that I've got to make every single day count. And if I'm a leader, my organisation needs to count and what I do needs to count. And that actually is a way that um, I think that businesses can break through to matter and to have true purpose. Okay, thank you. Roger. Uh, My first point would be the vision and values of the organisation. So you've got to get your leadership to really want it. And if you're going to go somewhere exciting, they've really got to want it. You've got to get everyone in the organisation excited about going on that journey with the leadership. And then you've got to build incredible energy and enthusiasm for the change that's coming because everybody's changing. The second would be what I call alignment. So to make sure that the strategy, the infrastructure, which I mean by systems, policies, processes, and the culture all in alignment, supporting the direction you're trying to go in. And that will require you to re-engineer the people in the organization, the systems, the processes, the products that you sell, perhaps even your business model. And the third would be then to empower the organization to, to deliver. And therefore, the leaders need to lead more than they manage, which is not true of a lot of organizations today. And also to believe that your people can do amazing things. And I always find if you do that, they never seem to let you down. Okay, Roger, thank you. Richard, what do you believe are the crucial things to instilling a new culture in a business that will help it break out of old habits and take full advantage of emerging opportunities? I think here it's, it's, it's having the culture of accepting change. We live in an environment where we are facing constant change and we have to accept that the way we do business today is not the way we're going to do business, say, in five years' time. And certainly from a UPS perspective, we've embraced that recognising that with increased e-commerce volumes, we will need to have continued access to city centres for final mile deliveries. But the way we do it is going to change. And therefore, we've had to invest in alternative fuel vehicles, including electric and other vehicles. Okay, Richard, Holly and Roger, thank you very much for being with us today and for your fascinating insights for this business podcast for UPS. Thank you. 
As we wrap up our second year on Longitudes Radio, we'd like to thank our listeners for subscribing and taking the time to give us feedback on iTunes and Stitcher. And there'll be more in store in the new year, starting with an interview with former Secretary of State Henry Kissinger. Until then, from James and I, happy holidays. 